You're listening to a medical miscellany, a curious casebook of brilliant discoveries, scientific advances, bizarre cures, and some downright quackery. Dr. Peter Kay and Sean Aita. Episode 8 Some Self Experimenting Doctors. Good morning, Pete. Good morning, Sean. How are you doing today? I'm just checking the levels. Are the levels okay? Oh, I think we're all right. Yeah, Great. I'm yeah, I'm okay. I didn't, as you know, I didn't sleep very well. A bit late start today because um, I had a bad night. And what was wrong with you? We had a, I had too big a meal too late in the evening, and I had the thing called water brush. We get acid reflux into your mouth. Oh, and it wakes you up, and you cough and splutter, and you get a nasty stinging, burning that's pain. That's very nasty. I'm, here, I'm, being, I'm being in patient role now, aren't I? Yeah. yeah, so yeah I've well, slipped into the patient absolutely, sick role. Absolutely, and uh, I, will, <coughs> I will charge you my fee <laughs> later on. <laughs> but anyway, I had to sit propped up all night, and I didn't sleep very well like that. Do you know, funnily enough, I suffer a bit from uh, acid reflux as well, and what I discovered was that it's a problem when you come to have an anaesthetic uh, because I went to the hospital and they wouldn't give me a general anaesthetic because of mm, this mm. acid reflux. Mm. So the operation that I had, they insisted on giving me an epidural instead, yeah, yeah. which uh, actually turned out to be kind of unpleasant because, you know, I mean, they, they basically paralyze your legs. Yeah. But my whole body then had a reaction to that paralysis and I ended up kind of shaking like oh a leaf at the top of my body was just oh going goodness. crazy. And I had I had two it must have been quite frightening. It was terrifying actually. And two anesthetists, one on either side, sort of trying to calm me down and uh, stop me from shaking. Or yeah. hold you down. I know, but hold me down, yes, absolutely. Oh gosh, how frightening. How long did it last? Oh I'm not sure really. It was um yeah, well, actually, I am sure it was the entire length of the operation. Yeah. Wow. Gosh, so I yeah, just horrible. had to put up with it. Yeah. That uh, reminds me of a story. We, 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 set it, we set out a task this morning of talking about self-experimenting doctors, but yeah. I, I may just have to go off on a tangent now because you reminded me, yeah. talking about food contents and anaesthetics, most of my sort of gory, interesting stories come from the time I was a casualty officer in St. Stephen's Hospital on the Fulham Road. Right, I might have to blank that name out. Yeah. 19, no, you'd be all right, I think. Yeah. No, it's, it's not, I don't think it moved, it's not there anymore. 1979 it was, and I remember vividly the day it was as well, because it was snowy and icy, and I was driving the car, and I, the car, I put the brakes on at the red, the red line, and the car yeah. slid straight through a very, very busy road, which is normally very busy with lorries, but because it was New Year's Day, luckily it was empty, and I spun around slowly, thinking, thanking God that I hadn't been crushed by a lorry. Yeah, yeah. So I remember the day it was, it was the 1st of January, and um, in the middle of the day, this chap kept brought in, covered in blood, on a trolley, he was literally, it looked like somebody put a bucket of blood over his clothes and sort of oh. dumped it all down on his clothes. He was thick and uh, I'm sort of general panic. But by the time I got to see him, the nurses had cleaned him up. So he was lying on a trolley, all yeah. cleaned and washed, covered up, uh, sheet up to his chin, and he got a huge gash in his neck. Oh my goodness. A massive great gash in his neck. And he said, I said, you know, how are you? And he, he was, um, obviously, he, he said, I'm okay. I said, he said, funny thing, I feel the air coming in out of my side of my neck. And I thought, well, that's not a good sign because that means it goes right the way through yeah. to the back of his throat. Gosh. So that's already telling me it's very serious. And I'm thinking, okay, well, this is a serious injury. This guy is going to need major surgery. And so I'm just sort of, you know, clicking quickly. Yeah. Um, I'm going to, and therefore, he's going to need an anaesthetic. And therefore, He's going to need his stomach emptied, so that he, doesn't, he doesn't get the reflex. Yeah. Therefore, that's the first thing to do here, prior to him getting down there quickly. Yeah. So I picked up the phone to my boss, the consultant, and said, "Got a man here, 
27-year-old, massive cuts inside of his neck, got air coming in and out, I think he's going to need major surgery. Yeah. Could you come down and intubate him for me? And my boss said, no, no, you do it, you can do it. And I said, no, I'm not going to do it because if I do it and the blood starts pumping, that'll be that. Yeah. So he hadn't quite got the seriousness of it. So right. he said, okay, I'll come and do it. So he came and did it. Now this bloke, how, I, while we were waiting for my boss to appear, I said, how did it happen? He said, oh, I was in the pub drinking and it was just closing up time. And I just, the chap next to me said he wanted one more. And the barman said, no, no, so we're closing up now, I'm afraid. And he said, no, I want one more. So I said to him, I didn't, I've never met him before. I said to him, uh, come on, no, we, we should go now. We should go now. It's closing time. And with, without further ado, he broke off the end of a bottle and stuck it in my neck. <laughs> just like that. So, you know, that's how he described it. So he got a huge cut in his neck. And um, well, certainly very deep. Um, anyway, my, my boss arrived and... Um, put the tube out and sure enough as soon as the moment he gagged the blood started coming out of his neck again Ooh. so then we all panicked we laid him flat yeah, we yeah. rushed him through into the surgery through the hospital crashing people out of the way yeah. straight into the operating theatre where they were doing a thyroid operation I think oh. and so we brought you something to, to work on so they quickly put aside their thyroid operation and started working on him saving his life basically because yeah, yeah, yeah. he, he was dying he would have died um, but they, yeah, they, they managed to save his life but one of the funny things that happened was um, I was trying to assess his state of his stomach contents and he, right. he'd been busy sort of drinking in the pub and having pints of beer. Yeah. And I said to him now... Did you find any peanuts? <laughs> <laughs> peanuts programs? Um, I said to him, look, thinking, thinking aloud, now, you've, you've, you've got to have, you can have an anaesthetic, an empty stomach, chewed down. So I said to him, now when did you, um, have you had any lunch? three o'clock in the afternoon have you had any lunch he said oh yes thanks as if i was going to turn around and start frying him sausages <laughs> and bacon <laughs> i said no no i didn't mean that i said when did you last eat <laughs> that is funny that is funny gosh so yes uh well wonderful tangent but uh yes as you said our podcast today was supposed to be about self-experimentation so um, mm-hmm. what have we got on on the on the tray today yes on the tray exactly um well it, it, it's it's there's a very, very good book by an American doctor called Lawrence Altman called about medical doctors who experiment on themselves, and it's called Who Goes First, which I think is a very, very good title. Oh, Who nice. Goes First. Yes, yeah. And there's a debate about that, whether all doctors should, should go first before they experiment on patients or not. And right. You can't talk about this subject without, sadly, talking about Nuremberg, because the experimenting that went on in oh, the... Yes. in the Of course, yeah. In, during the Holocaust was yeah, yeah, absolutely yeah. horrendous. And um, but they weren't experimenting for purposes of healing. They were per- experimenting for the purposes of trying to make people die more efficiently, yes, or less yes. efficiently. So it was very horrendous. But after that, and of course, several of them were at the trial. After the trial, several of those doctors were hung. Yeah, for what they did, quite rightly. But after that, was the Nuremberg Code came out. The Nuremberg Code of Thank Medical you. Ethics, in which it says no experiment should be conducted that is dangerous to the subject unless the experimenter themselves also takes part. Wow. So that is the current basis for which we um, practice um, research. Right. But the thing is that although we do that very strictly, Pete, it's still, it's still occasionally we make slip-ups. I don't know if you read, not that long ago, there was um, a drug trial done, some, some poor young men being t- paid 2000 pounds each to, yeah, to, be, yeah. to be guinea pigs it had a terrible side effect from a yeah. drug and they lost all their fingers and toes and their bodies swelled up oh, and they nearly, nearly didn't survive so you know we can still get it wrong but were there doctors involved you know were the doctors 
actually doing this to themselves no, on no, that experimentation? No, they weren't. No, no. no. Is, and, and that, doctors don't always do it, in, certainly in drug trials. Right. I mean, many doctors do experiment on themselves, and, and over the years have had to because they haven't had patients. And as one person, as one doctor said, there's no better way of explaining it to, to, to anybody than to yourself. You know, yes, you've got to explain course. it. And tell, you know, you've got to know the risks and consent the person. Um, so there is a school of thought that, I mean, Lawrence Altman himself says, self-experimenting doctors are the leaders of medicine. And I quite like that quote. Yeah. Because that's, you know, they, they are. They, they're, well, they're of course, they're certainly groundbreaking. Um, they're putting their money where their mouth is, aren't they? In terms Absolutely. of, you know, their belief yeah. in a cure or their belief yeah. in whatever it is they're going to use. But, um, so anyway, there's a long list of them. Um, and of course, I've got a few favourites. One of my favourites is a chap called Werner Forsman. Oh, yeah who was a German junior doctor, but he's very, very interested in the heart. Yeah. And he had heard about these experiments done some years, years, 70 years earlier on, on animals. Where well, you, what period is this? His experiment was 1929 okay. that he did. And he was curious, basically. So he thought, well, he heard that you could do it with animals. He thought he'd try and put a, a catheter tube up, up on his veins into the heart. Well, you know, ne- never been done before. So this is quite a risky idea. It's a very risky idea. And he said to his colleague, I'm sure it'll be all right, I'm sure it'll be all right. And he got a urethral catheter that normally goes into the bladder, Yeah. made it sort of lubricated it, and he got his friend to put a very, very wide ball needle, big needle into his vein in his elbow, Yeah. yeah. and he tried to put the push the tube up inside the needle, but it wouldn't go very far, it kept jamming in the needle. So he realised he wasn't going to work that way, so... His colleague also ran away halfway through, saying, "I can't be a part of this. You know, you might die. Yeah. Well, then what's going to happen? I'm going to be accused of murder." Yes. So what he did then was he he cut he cut himself and did quite a quite a major operation under local anaesthetic to expose his vein, right? His own vein. Pulled it out, cut over into the vein, and then passed the catheter, the two foot long catheter, through the vein and pushed it through. Push, 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 push. I described. He's got a very detailed description of how he felt made him cough a little bit when it was, it was going around various corners he said, he said, he said that, that will be where I twang the vagus nerve I think and he's just going around anyway after it had all gone in two feet of it he, he then walked quite a long way apparently down the corridor to the x-ray department and walked in and said I wonder if you could take an x-ray of my chest for me and they sort of saw him there with his thing hanging out of his vein of course you know he had blood on his arm yeah. he had no little operation in the middle of his elbow where he'd done yeah. it himself Anyway, they took his x-ray and there it was, there was a catheter tip sitting invisible, oh. sitting in the right side of the heart. Unbelievable. Famous, famous picture. Wow. But when he told his colleagues about this, they were very, very cross. Um, first of all, his boss had said to him, no, you know, I'm not happy if you do this. So he hadn't got permission to do it. Right. And then his other colleagues said, it felt it was reckless. Some of them were very rude, yeah, rude yeah. and scathing. So even though he wanted to go into heart research, he couldn't get a job and he was banished really and right. he ended up as a, a bladder surgeon in, right. in, in a small hospital in Germany yeah, yeah. so it must have been pretty amazing for his colleagues and patients because he was working in you know, an anonymous surgeon in an anonymous hospital when 27 years later he suddenly won the Nobel Prize oh. for this amazing experiment he'd done which, wow. which he, people have probably already forgotten about <laughs> that is an incredible story isn't it mm. yeah mm. the brave, the bravery of him yeah it's unbelievable. unbelievable really yeah yeah I suppose that that question about whether the doctor should do it or whether they should experiment on somebody else is um, the problem is obviously if um, you have somebody who's a medical genius but gets something wrong, they kill themselves. Mm. Then you their lose, ability you to you lose a genius. <laughs> you lose a genius. Well, um, I suppose another argument is if your if your job is to experiment, then yeah. if you're going to do it over and over and over and over on yourself, your yeah. risk your risk builds up. Well, of course. Yeah, I suppose that's another possible yeah. thought. Yeah. But, um, and I suppose also there's that um, there's that instance of where experimental surgery 
um, on patients who are going to die anyway. So, I mean, say there's a, I don't know, a heart transplant or something mm, like mm, that where, mm. where somebody is not going to survive unless this operation takes place and mm. it's an experimental mm. operation. That's mm. obviously something the doctor can't do to themselves yeah. to test. Exactly. So, exactly. Yeah. Well, there's another story about that, which I, another tangent, but it's a nice story. Uh, the beginning of the 19th century, there was a very um, famous surgeon called Sir Astley Cooper. Hey. And uh, he, amongst other things, um, employed his own body snatcher. Because he the needed, resurrection uh, men again. He, he employed it, he, he, because it was illegal, and everyone knew the surgeons did it. And he actually, there's, there's a very detailed story about the, the chap he employed. Oh, yeah. um, but by the by, he was a brilliant surgeon. And in 1817, he did the most extraordinary operation because he tied a ligature around the aorta of a young man who was dying mm. of a, an aortic aneurysm. Now, nowadays, you know, all your aneurysms, we put in a bit of plastic Teflon stuff, don't we? And it's all incredibly clever, and you pick them up on ultrasound. I'll take you your get, word for it. You get sc yeah. scanned at 60 and screened at 60. And, but but it's quite, it was quite common, and he, this poor chap had a massive one that was bulging out in his groin. And the surgeon realised, Astor Cooper realised, he was going to have to operate in, in order to save his life. Right. But he wasn't some macho surgeon. He was an experimental surgeon, and he already done lots and lots of operations on dogs to prove that if you, if he tied a thick ligature around the aorta, you'd think that's the main blood vessel coming from the heart to the rest of your body it would kill you. But it doesn't, because you, you you've got collateral arteries all the way up. Little ones open up okay. cleverly, and, and 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 provide a bypass around the block. Oh. So he showed, for example, that with dogs they could they could survive and carry on walking even afterwards. Their legs were all working perfectly, perfectly well, normal. Th this brings us another um, ethical question, though, doesn't it, in terms of experimentation on animals? Yeah, it does. And, yeah, yeah. there's a whole other, yeah. whole other um, area, isn't it? So he also went into the dissecting room and practiced his technique on some dead bodies before he did his operation. Okay. And then he did it. In, he did it in the end. He had to do it by candlelight because the, it became so so urgent. The chap was going to, as you said, going to die within hours if he yeah. didn't operate. Yeah, yeah. So he did it. And he succeeded. He succeeded in doing it, tying it around the aorta, tying it off, avoiding all the gut, the bowel down there, which would have been, you know, very easy to, to nip a bit of bowel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Went to see his patient the next day, and one leg was fine, but the other leg, sadly, was becoming uh, had a very poor blood su supply and became gangrenous. Right. And the reason for that was because the, uh, although he was right about the collaterals, uh, in his case, the they'd been damaged by the very extent, massive extent of the. And aneurysm, which okay. would also damage the collaterals higher up in the artery. Right. Um, so there was nothing he could do about so that. So that, that patient died, but even so, it was a very famous experimental operation, which proved to be a model of yeah. later very successful operations. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it wasn't done, the next successful one wasn't done for another hundred years. Goodness me. Pete, we've reached the end of our 15 minutes. Good um, We are obviously going to have to continue this uh, discussion on self-experimentation in another podcast. That went quickly. It did. All right, take care. Bye. Bye. Join us next time for some more doctors who like to try things out on themselves first.